0: Make the most of this beautiful come on how many of you guys feel like you are reliving your childhood right there i just want to start whistling you can just join with me no you can't whistle this is we just found out all the non-whistlers well welcome to joy church and it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood i'm going to move this just slightly in my office center now Is that good? All the OCD people are going to be like, is it in the center? Well, good morning, Joy Church. How are you doing? It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and it's a beautiful day at Joy Church. Do you agree? And and we really, you know, once and for all, we've settled who are the most holy people in our church. It's the 915 service because you're here on Daylight Savings early, and uh, we love all of our online live stream people right now, but you guys are in your PJs. These, everyone here is fully clothed and uh, drinking coffee. Well, <clears throat> just kidding. But welcome to our live stream and everybody here. Uh, greetings from Pastor Stephen Kim. They are in Eugene this morning with our Joy Church Eugene family, and uh, they're with them celebrating their five-year church anniversary. So so cool. Happy birthday, Joy Church Eugene. And uh, so Pastor Steve and Kim get to be there with them and minister some and just celebrate all that God is doing in Eugene. So we send our love, they send their love to you guys. And uh, this morning, I have to say, uh, I I am so excited as we launch into our brand new series called The Art of Neighboring. You know, um, as you'll hear today and and even just throughout the weeks, uh, this, for me personally, this is a series uh, that is I'm really praying that God would not just cause us to receive information, but that there would be an impartation, that we would receive just the heart that God has for our city. And, and what is the heart that God, you know, I believe this, that you were placed by God in the neighborhood you live in on purpose. You were placed in the job you're in for a purpose. You were placed in the school you're in, the workplace, the the gym you go to. Like God has placed us in Medford, Oregon for, for a purpose bigger than just us. And he has sent us to be missionaries. You know, just this last week, I uh, got to be at a uh, a intensive talking about church planting, and and I heard a statistic, they said that the fifth most unreached nation in the world is the United States of America. And we can look and God wants to send out missionaries and for some they will go to the nations and for, and we need to be obedient. But you know, God wants us to recognize that there is a mission field right outside our doors. There's a mission field when we go to work. There is a place uh, all around us that God says, I've sent you to be my carriers of my love. So I am just so excited about what God is going to do in our lives as a church over these next three weeks. And so... We're going to launch into some verses, and then we're going to pray. And I want you to join me in praying and just asking that over these next three weeks, we would not just get head knowledge, but it would transform our heart, and it would lead to our hands being the hands and feet of Jesus. Can we believe for that this morning? So turn with me in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, Luke 10, 25, it says this. Says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And We know if you go further on that uh, Jesus would actually uh, tell the parable of the Good Samaritan, but we're going to jump ahead to Galatians 5, verse 14. Galatians 5, 14 says this, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it transforms our lives. And God, we are crying out this morning that the word would not just uh, intellectually touch our, our, our lives, but there would be a spiritual transformation, that it would change the way we live. God, give us your heart for our city. Give us your heart for our neighbors. Give us your heart for the world around us, Lord. And we just ask, would you do a deep work in us? In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. How many of you know there's something significant, something powerful about a name? I remember, uh, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. I remember like I, I, I met Riley on a Wednesday night. I had just gotten back from Europe. I was jet lagged. And so the first time I met him, I was just being nice. You know, I was like, hey, good to meet you. I'm Natalie. And his name was Riley. But I remember the first time like I heard him say my name. And no joke, in the foyer, that Sunday after I met him, he walks up and he goes, hey, Natalie. And when he said my name, it was like <laughs> I've heard my name said thousands of times, but I'd never heard my name said. I was like, who is this man? Right? Like, how many of you, you, you've learned someone's name, it changes everything. Like, you know, you're like, you're saying I got a chance because you got a name. There's power in a name. Like, I want to, I remember, um, I I used to play soccer. I love soccer. And there was one year that I had phenomenal coach. And then for whatever reason, there was one season a season that he could no longer coach our team. And so oftentimes in, in soccer, you would like your team, you just keep playing with the same players, but we had to get a new coach. And so word happened. I was pray, playing uh, for Grace Christian, I think was the school we were playing for. And, um, and I remember that, w- that the, the word came that we got a new coach and it was a British woman. And I was like, yes, we've got a European coach. We're going to be amazing because I figured if they were European, they were going to be great at soccer. And so I remember being like uh, in elementary school, show up to the first day of practice. First thing was that our European coach was a female that was like no joke, like 80 years old. So things were not looking up at this moment. I'm like, but she's still from, she's British. Like, there's got to be hope. She's, she's the master of the art, you know, like this woman has it all. And I remember this, that we come to practice and she doesn't even attempt to learn our names. She immediately starts putting numbers on all of us kids. And she just said, like, I'm going to call you guys numbers because I won't remember your name. So we were in first practice. I, you don't even know what number you are. You forgot, you know, like she slapped a number on you. and she'd be like, you know, seven. And you're like, am I seven? Like, who am I? You know, it's funny. I can't tell you anything about that season of soccer. There was, I have no recollection beyond that first practice because there was no connection to our coach. She didn't even care to know our name. And I remember having a coach, Mr. McCandless. He coached me for years, and he impacted my life. Like, he cared about the p- players on his team. He knew our name. He, he saw us. And I could tell you, like, man, I loved practices. I loved games because Mr. McCandless cared for us. And I want to ask you this question. What person, think of someone in your life who has made a massive personal change impact in your life that did not know your name. That didn't know your name. Now you could say, hey, I've listened to this podcaster and the thought they gave me really impacted my life. I read a book, yes. But think of someone who you go, my life is changed and they don't even know my name. It's probably a far shorter list. But people that have made an impact, it started with simply knowing your name. And I would propose this morning as we launch into the art of neighboring is what if we just started with learning names? Just learning names. We, we handed out a card and we'll come back to this. But you all received this card and if you look there's a house <laughs> and around it are eight other houses. Now, I recognize your neighborhood may not be structured exactly like this. You're like, sorry, I'm bouncing out. My neighborhood doesn't look like that, so this doesn't apply to me. Okay? Get creative. I want you to think for a moment, and this is not meant to beat you up or to celebrate you. It's just, just a question. If you were to take the eight closest neighbors around you, how many of those neighbors do you know their name? So I want you to just think for a moment, if you took this and lucky you, if your house is right in the middle of eight homes, (laughs) how many people in your neighborhood, do you just know their name? And we're gonna dive into this thought a little bit more, but even today, and don't don't disengage from the, the, the service, but you could start even later jotting down, if you go, hey, I do, I know this person's name and I know this person's name. Think about the impact in our community If every person that will hear this message, every person on livestream, every person in first service, second service, if we took this seriously and said, God, starting with the eight closest neighbors around me, or or maybe for you, you don't maybe maybe you don't have neighbors for some reason, then maybe it's the eight closest people in your world at your workplace, at your gym, at the Starbucks you go to, or wherever it is. Like what if we we simply said, God, I want to get a burden to simply just learn the names of these people? Think about the, the hundreds and hundreds of family units that would be reached if every one of us said, what if there was those eight people that I began to say, God, you've made me a missionary to those people. You know, the, the, we, we see in Luke chapter 10, this religious leader comes up and, and he's asking this question, hey, what's like the greatest command and what do I need to do? To, he's trying to ask a question to test Jesus and and so when he finally comes to this point when Jesus said, hey, do that and live. Because he said, you know, I'm supposed to love the Lord. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. And he says, okay. Um, Jesus said, yeah, you got it. Do that and you'll live. And then he, he asked a question that I think we often get hung up by. He asked the question, um, then, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins to actually paint a picture that your neighbor is beyond just even the people close to you our neighbor is any person we come into contact with. Like, God's called us to love everybody, to reach people. But sometimes we can get so hung up in the fight of, well, am I really, like, am I called to reach that person or is this person called to reach them? Like, should I, am I the one that's responsible? We sometimes can so argue over who our neighbor is that we don't even start with our neighbor. And, and are you, you guys are real quiet this morning. Thank you for for not real. Are you guys with me? That we could sometimes get so hung up and go, well, who is my neighbor? Really is my, is that actually my neighbor or are they technically someone else's? Or am I really supposed to be the one that reaches my barista or is it somebody else? And I think sometimes what if we just literally took the commands of Jesus at the bare minimum of your physical neighbor? You guys Okay. You know, in the Bible, we we can learn about this fact that um, our history was absolutely transformed because somebody learned a name. There's this book in the Old Testament called the the Book of Ruth. It's a short book in the Bible, but it's powerful. And we encounter a woman named Ruth. Don't you love that? like, the book's called Ruth, and it's easy to remember her name's Ruth. So if you're like, what's her name? It's Ruth. (laughs) Thanks, Allie. And um, we come to this book in the Bible, and here's the thing is that we, we, we meet a young woman, or we meet a woman, her name was Ruth, and she was a Moabite. And we know that her mother and father-in-law, they had left the land of Judah in a, in a uh, time of famine. They leave Judah. They go to um, to a foreign land. And in that land, the sons of Naomi and her husband, they marry uh, they marry foreigners. They marry Moabites. And, and Ruth is one of these people. And, and through a series of events, her father-in-law dies, her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies. Like things are rough. And Ruth decides to go back to Judah. She goes back to her land. Sorry, um, Naomi is going to go back to. Are you guys following? Sounds like a, a bad soap opera, brother. Like, and they died, and they died, and they died, and then they go back. You know, you're like, whoa, intriguing. And Ruth says, "I'm going to go with you, Naomi, to this new land of Judah." And we meet Ruth. She comes, and she is an outcast. We know that she is poor. We know that she is a widow. We know that she doesn't belong in this land. And she, she speaks. We're going to pick up this story in Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. And we come to this point where Ruth tells Naomi, uh, she goes with her, her, her mother-in-law, and, and she seeks to just say, where you go, I'm going to go. And I'm going to follow you. And she clings to Naomi. So they come to Judah, and they, they don't have anything. But there was a law in the Old Testament that, that the poor were allowed to go and they were allowed to glean the fields. And whatever fell on the ground, it was meant to be left for the poor and the poor could just come behind the laborers and pick up, pick up what was left over. And we come to this scene because the man who owned the land was a na- man named Boaz. And, and, and there's a whole lot more to this story. Boaz uh, would actually end up being um, a, a, he, the kinsman redeemer. He was the one that could actually rightfully... Um, through a series of events, take Ruth to be his wife. But Ruth is gleaning in a field, and Boaz comes upon her. So we're going to read verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose side I shall find favor. And so her mother-in-law said, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. And, And it goes on. And the verse four tells us that Boaz came from Bethlehem and, and and he speaks to them. But verse four, I want you to lean into this verse. Are you guys with me? Verse four, it says, then Boaz, Ruth two, verse four, then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Or in other words, words, what is her name? And we jump to verse 6. It says, and the servant who was in charge of the reaper's answered said, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi. And verse 8 tells us, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not glean from another field. Do not, and he goes on and he actually ends up telling her, like, I want you to follow my workers. Ruth walks away with tons of, of harvest. And Ruth would later marry Boaz. And it would be through the line of Boaz that the grandpa of King David would come forth, or great-grandpa of King David. And through that line of Ruth and Boaz, Jesus would be born. And our entire existence is changed from this reality, was that there was a foreign, outcast, poor widow who a man by the name of Boaz could have passed by. He actually was doing his rightful duty of just letting her take the leftovers but he stopped and said, what's, what's her name? Who is she? And through a simple conversation of learning a name, it would lead to providing for her generously. It would lead to becoming the one who would marry her. And through his line, come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You don't know the potential behind learning someone's name. I don't know the potential. So this morning, as we look at what does it mean? How do we practically begin the art of neighboring? I pray that as we hear these words, we don't just hear the wah, wah, wah. What's for lunch later? But we adhere it and say, oh God, you placed me in my community, in my neighborhood, and I might be the very link to them encountering you. So number one is learn their name. Learn their name. As long as they remain nameless to us, they remain as strangers. As long as they're just Larry that takes out his garbage. Or they, they're not Larry, but they're just dude that wears his pajamas whenever he takes out the garbage. You can walk by and there's no connection. They're just, they're, it's not real. You're just like, oh yeah, they, that's them. You know, they're the ones with the weird cat with one eye that always like... Eats our garbage can. They're not real, so I had to throw in that I don't like cats. And are you with me? And I am so guilty of this. I am so guilty of running, you know, and like just, just like you don't even when you don't know their name, you you don't even feel obligated at times to acknowledge them. If this is maybe I'm just getting healing up here for my bad neighboring. But you know when you learn someone's name, it provokes you to learn their story. When you learn their name, you recognize they are real. You when you learn someone's name, they're not just pajama garbage guy, they're Larry. And you start to wonder, suddenly you have something to pray. Something you, now it's Lord I don't know how to reach Larry, but I need your wisdom. When you learn someone's name, the door is open to them. Think about the power. I'm just asking you, like, what if we just did this? What if we just said, let's learn our neighbor's names? What if we said over the next six months, like, learn their name? Because I know what will happen when we learn their name. We'll start praying for them. And, and, And we'll start... Recognizing that they have, they have a real need for relationship for Christ. But it just starts like, what if you just said, well, you know I, know, I know what some of us are doing right now. We're already preemptively going, but then, like, how am I going to, like, woo, I better learn like how to like say the gospel in 42 seconds and I better learn how to, like, yes, you should like learn, learn to preach the gospel. I'm not saying don't, but I'm just asking us to learn their name. You guys are like, is there more? Because that's sort of easy. <laughs> Good, let's do it. Um, the second thing is, is create space. How, is anyone in this room find that our lives get full really fast and cluttered very fast? And I don't know about you, but usually when I'm leaving my house, I'm on a mission, and it's not to be just standing outside my house. It's to be somewhere else and do something else. You know, one of the greatest enemies of reaching our neighbors is its lack of margin. It's no time. It's that it is that we we often I often fail to talk to my neighbor because I'm I got an appointment. I got a place to be. I better and we don't create space. And I would propose that we not only learn people's name but we create space to actually engage people when was the last time like you you stopped in the line at the coffee shop and and you saw a real person you not only learned their name but now you saw them and you really stopped and said like how are you It takes us creating intentional space. There has to be margin, there has to be, you know, there was a study, it's very fascinating to me. A study was done a while back by Seattle Pacific University, and here's what they found, is they found that love will make you walk slower. And what they did is they took like 11 couples, 11 married couples, and they brought them to a track. And, and they took the men by themselves and they all, and they walked around the track and they captured that like the average speed for a man, it was like four miles per hour. They walked. They would then bring to these men, uh, they'd bring just like an acquaintance, a girl, a female acquaintance uh, that there was no romantic. They were not their, they weren't their spouse. And they found that the guys would like barely slow down. Like they would, the, the girls would speed up. And they took girls by themselves and they walked at a certain speed that was slower than men. And and when the girls, they would, they'd find the girls would speed up to catch up with the guys and the guys would just kind of go their way. Then they would take men and walk two men together and they found that the average pace of men shot up and they walked faster. (laughs) Are you surprised by that? (laughs) But you know what they found when somebody walked with their spouse? Regardless of if they were holding hands or not, It was the men who slowed down to match the pace of their wife. And this study came to the conclusion that when a man loves a woman, he will walk slower. And I remember when Riley and I were not together, but I had casteth my eye uponeth him. (laughs) And I was not sure. I was like really not sure if he cared about me. I remember one day he was like, asked me to bring my guitar to go up a mountain. We weren't even together. And he carried my guitar up a mountain. And I didn't know, like now knowing, I'm like, he liked me a lot. He loved me because he walked real slow up that mountain with me. And I've walked with him since, and he loves me deeply. But if I'm out of the picture, he is zooming up mountains. I I wonder if... um if we allowed God's love to shape us and we saw our neighbors and we saw the people around us with God's love, if it would change the pace we walked our life at. And if we wouldn't wait for our neighbors to catch up to us, but we would slow down to see them and love them and walk with them. Like it's really practical. It looks like, you know, I've been reading different books and studying and just trying to let God work this in my life. And, and, and um, as the worship team comes up, uh, you know, a lot of the, the advice, and, and we're seeing this in our life, is it looks like go take walks all around your neighborhood. Just walk in your neighborhood and, and walk slow enough that you can stop and go, hey, I know I have lived in this neighborhood for four years. And I am so sorry I've never caught your name. Can I, hear you? Can I have your name? It looks like walking. It looks like stopping and just building a bridge of relationship. You know, how do you like your go-kart? <laughs> Trust me, I've had neighbors that have weird stuff. You're like, that's a grown man riding on a tiny little scooter. <laughs> like, this is weird. Um, There's a Japanese theologian, and uh, he said this. He said, love has its speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of life at three miles per hour. That's the pace, they say, that you can casually walk. It is the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks. Like what if we practically i have heard of one person, what they did is they just moved their their, their um, barbecue from, from their backyard to their front yard. And how many of you know that the smell of delicious ribs cooking and steak, your neighbors are like, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You're like, I didn't even know you knew Jesus. They're like, those ribs smell good. Like it, it looks so practical. It looks so we, we can undermine, like, people are hungry for Jesus. They're hungry for love, for someone to see them. And I know for Riley and I, we're praying for our neighborhood we're, we're, we, when we were building our home because we're walking through those streets and we feel like, God, you have sent us here as missionaries, this community, like, we're here, and I miss it so much. I want to walk at the speed of love. I want to learn people's name, because you know what I know, and we're going to learn this next week, you learn their name, you will learn their story. But when you learn their story, it changes the way you pray for them. I've got neighbors across the street, and, and I had written a narrative in my head about these neighbors, right? Everyone, anyone have narratives about your neighbors? And around Christmas, we brought cookies to neighbors, and we wanted to meet them, and, and I had my own story, and I was kind of, it was like one of the last houses I wanted to go to, because I was like, oh, they don't seem nice, and we come to the house, and, and these people, they don't, they, they're learning English, and the lady, she stopped, and she ran into her house, and she, she runs back with her baby, she sees our kids, and she's, she shows us her baby, and she runs her into her house to get her husband. And, and shes she's pulling out her camera to take a picture of our kids with her kid. And she's like, "Would you walk with me?" I go, "Maybe you could help me learn English. I, there's, they don't know Jesus." She told me recently, she's like, I came to your house three times, knocking on your door, you're not home. I'm like, I'm so sorry. These are the days I'm home. Here's my number. And we're, like, at the, like, the tip of the iceberg, and I know her name, and I know his name, and I don't know their story yet. But I know that, like, if there's one reason we live in that neighborhood, it might be for these people. And I had a narrative why I wouldn't go meet them. Who's my neighbor, God? Maybe it's someone else somewhere else. It's them right there. And I just believe Jesus is going to do something in our community when we stop writing narratives and we just learn someone's name. And I have a name, and you know what? That name, I'm praying for them. And I'm not saying their name because I want them to come and not everybody be like, we knew your name. <laughs> but I have their name oh God, I pray they would come to know him and that we would be a light in that neighborhood. And we haven't walked the neighborhood yet, but I'm gonna be walking hopefully at the speed of three miles per hour with this woman. She's just one. There's hundreds of thousands of people in our community and I may not be able to touch hundreds of thousands, but I can learn eight people's names. What could happen? Are you guys okay? The third thing is just, just open the windows and look out. Jesus said, hey, hey, pray, look, the harvest is ripe, they're there, look. And then he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And I think, what if we looked and we started to learn their name and we started to pray. There's a a book I recommend, it's called The Simplest Way to Change the World. And um, the author wrote this, practice the always rule. What is the always rule, you ask? The always rule means that if you see a neighbor you don't know, pause whatever you're doing and meet them. Always. If you're walking to the car and in a hurry, if you're getting groceries out of the car, if you're picking up a package, just always. Just stop and say hi. Just stop and roll down the window and and talk to them, just stop and, and acknowledge them. Open up for us. We park our car in the garage. It's opening the garage and like awkwardly is standing there staring. Always, every day. Guys, what could happen in our community? Just 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 start with just hi. Do you need help? Man, there are some testimonies and, and that you're gonna hear different people. If you come Tuesday night, dream teamers like. Man, there are people in our church that are just reaching their neighbors. We are going to see revivals in our neighborhoods, guys. We're going to see God move. Like, what could happen? What could happen? Come on. There are people killing themselves. There are people in depression. There are people broken that are living in homes next to us. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is going to move simply through tangible acts of beginning to start with their name. And when you learn their name and they sit in your home, you're going to get an opportunity to show the tangible, real love of Jesus. Come on, we're going to see God move. How many of you say, God, move in my neighborhood. God, move in our community. God is going to do something so powerful. So I'm, We're going to land this plane, I promise you I'll stop blubbering. I just think you go, prove it to me, does God care about neighborhoods? God cared so much that love itself moved into our neighborhood. I love the message paraphrase of John 1 It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The word Jesus, God, became flesh and came to our neighborhood. He left heaven to come to earth, that we who were outcasts, we who were far from God, we who were like Ruth and, and completely an outsider, and love said, I come in to meet you, to know your name, to know your story. I'm here to redeem you. Come on, love came to our neighborhood and made a way. And what if everybody felt that when we came into our physical neighborhoods, they said love just walked in because Jesus Christ walked in with them. They came into this neighborhood as the tangible representation of the love of Jesus Christ. May we simply just do what has been done for us. The love we've received, we freely receive, we freely give. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? This morning, there are people who may be on this live stream. You might be watching this right now or five years from now that don't know Jesus. There's people in this room that maybe you say, man, I've I, been far from God. And I know that I need Jesus to save me. And I recognize that I was I am not outside or looking in, but Christ invited me in. Love came to my neighborhood. Love has come to rescue me, save me, and redeem me from my sin. And if you're here in this building or watching our live and so you say, I need Jesus to save me, I need him to transform my life, then I just want you to raise your hand right now wherever you're at you're in this room, you say, I need Jesus. Would you save me, Jesus? Would you wash me of my sins? Would you just lift your hands wherever you're at to let me know just hey, I'm here. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're on the live stream, you can just right where you are, just just say, Jesus, I want you. And you can comment in the comments and let the moderator know, but wherever you're at, if you say man, Jesus, save me. Would you just show me in this room if you're here, lift your hand and I want to pray with you. We're just going to pray, wherever you're at, if you're here uh, on the live stream and you're receiving Jesus, just say, Jesus, wash me, I put my trust in you, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, amen. For the rest of us, we're going to respond to this message. I would pray that over these next weeks, you would take this card and maybe you already know your eight neighbors or maybe you know one name, that's awesome. Maybe you know zero, then that's great, let's learn one. But what if we just started praying for our eight closest neighbors? And you can spread it out bigger, and you, maybe it's going to be a barista and a neighbor. But, but would you write the names down? And would you even just begin to daily put it? You can put it on your fridge and just start praying. Oh God, would you move in my neighborhood? And what would happen, guys? If you're here and you say, Pastor Nat, I I just I believe God's sending me as a missionary to my neighborhood, a missionary to my workplace, wherever it might be, your sphere, would you just lift your hand if you're saying, I just, I just want to go, I just want to, I, I want to let this word go from information to transformation to, 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 to being at work in our lives. God, we lift our hands as a reflection of our heart. God, we know that you have placed us in this city for such a time as this. God, we thank you that you have called us to reach our neighbors. You've called us to reach our coworkers. You've called us, and Lord, it starts with a name. So would you help us, Lord, to just begin to create space and opportunity to cross the street and just get a name. God, would you use us, Lord, to just, I just pray, Lord, you'd break past fear in our hearts, you would break the bonds of fear, and Lord, help us to just feel your love for our community, God, we cry out for revival in our city, we cry out for revival, and may it not look just like we expected, maybe it's going to look like revival around a barbecue, and revival, Lord, in our front lawns, as we begin to be your hands and feet, and revival at the garbage can, God, we just pray that you would use us in our community, God, we thank you, Help us, O Lord, and we pray that you would let us be the salt and light, your hands and feet in our city, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow. How many of you guys are like, man, I am convicted and compelled to want to reach my neighborhood, right? Like, I know for me, like, that is, this is a message that, like, like, this has such clear action steps, like, this week, let's do this today, let's do this, right? Well, this morning, if you came into this place and you responded um, to that invitation that Pastor Natalie gave to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or you're joining us on the live stream and you made that decision, we believe this is the best decision that you have ever made and will ever make. And we want to journey with you. And so we have a, a card right in the seat in front of you that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. If you don't mind filling that out for us, you can also text the word decision to the number on the screen. Please leave let us know if you're on the live stream, let us know, text us, email us, let us know that you made